Clap us in then, yeah, go yeah. on then. Yeah. <laughs> Good, I like that. Welcome back to another episode of Rec Talk, brought to you by Rectals. I'm your host, Nitin, uh, the founder of Rectals. If you're looking to improve the volume of inbound leads into your recruitment supply business, we need to be talking. Um, got some good news before we start. Uh, we've signed our first partnership on Rectals today with Zodec, uh, who are a leading invoice finance, invoice discounting, and back office solutions provider. So we'll be doing a lot more work closely with them. Um, so shout out to Paul Cooney and the team uh, and look out for sort of more information on rectals.io for that. My guest today is Verity, 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 don't call her Christian <laughs> Crichton, isn't it? Yeah, of Ask Verity. Yes. Thank you very much work. for coming on. It's good to have somebody from Coventry as well. Thank you, Nitty. Everyone usually travels in. So uh, yeah, thanks for, for taking up the time to come in today. No worries. Coventry girl born and bred. That's it, that's <laughs> it. And we're sat here in the Sky Blue Tavern, so... What a better place. Couldn't hey. be better. There we are. Uh, look, Verity, you you got some really interesting stuff that we wanted to go through today, right? Um, we were talking off camera about kind of topics and stuff. And I think um, that boring world of competency-based interviews um, is, is kind of your forte in terms of really making them work, right? Mm. So give us a bit of background on kind of sort of what's, the on, what's this kind of issue that's out there at the minute that you are finding and... What are you doing about that and how do you support that? Okay. Well, competency-based interviewing might be boring to you. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I always have been during my coming up 20 years recruitment career. Um, and it's something that I'm finding with the companies that I'm speaking to. A lot of them are still using the old-fashioned talk me through your CV. Mm, okay. The hiring people off the back of this, whether that be through agency or whether they're recruiting them themselves directly, and what they're finding a few months down the line, or even a few weeks down the line, once the person's starting, they're not what they thought they were, because they just haven't done a deep enough dive on the interview. You know, Mm. a lot of the companies I work with are smaller businesses, so they can't necessarily afford things like to run an assessment centre or to do lots of psychometric testing. So they are basing it on what they're finding out from the individual during the interview process. Mm -hmm. And you you think competency-based interviews where kind of the solution to that lies on? Yeah, I do, because I feel if they're looking at something else that I help the businesses to do is to write detailed job descriptions. Okay. And particularly around the person specification, ensuring that they are looking at the key competencies. You know, the soft skills, such as highly organised, great communication skills, but then the harder skills that are very, very specific to the roles that they're recruiting for. Right, okay. And then I'm helping them to then look at putting together competency-based interview questions to really drill down into these people's background and experience of what they've done previously and how they can demonstrate that they have proven that they've got those relevant competencies that the clients are looking for. Okay, okay. So how does that then differ to just talk me through your CV, talk me through what you've done? Surely I mean, that, that kind of information will come out in that conversation, though. No? Yeah, I think it can do. But as a writer of CVs for one-to-one individual job seekers as well, I do know that people lie on their CVs. And if they're lying on their CVs and then they're just being asked to talk through their CV, are they necessarily being 100% truthful during the interview process? And I'm not saying that about everybody. No, no, well, I think there was a stat there, wasn't there? Something something like 60-something percent of people admitted to lying on. I've lied on on my CV, absolutely I have, yeah. It's a really high percentage of people that do lie on their CVs. And if they are lying on the CV and then you just go, just talk me through your CV. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to continue those lies. I mean, with competency-based interviewing, when I'm training my clients on how to um, implement competency-based interviewing into their recruitment process, one of the reasons I say to them that it's massively beneficial, mm. unless you are a compulsive liar or you're very well trained at competency-based interviewing, it's really hard to blag your way through it. Yeah, I suppose. And those people are going to be, they're going to get in and and that situation is going to happen irrespective of kind of what your interview process was, right? 
So you're talking about those situations, I suppose, when you've you've hired somebody, you're like, oh, I got on with this person at interview really well, they talked through their CV, mm-hmm. and you almost, as a hiring manager, have made that decision already of like, I like this person. If this person doesn't <coughs> fuck it up, they can have the job. Yeah. And then week two comes along and they're like, mm, okay, hang on a minute. Certain things aren't quite adding up here. Yeah. Right. And I think as well, what I find with my clients when I, I help them introduce this it gives them a really strong, unbiased scoring process to go through. The person who scores most highly on the competency-based interview is generally the best fit for that for that role. They're not necessarily the best person fit for the team, and that is certainly something that has to be assessed on a separate basis. Okay. But one of the things... And would you do that on a scoring system as well, then? I think... A lot of it is based on the individual that's re- that's interviewing them is likely to be their future hiring manager. They've mm-hmm. got there's got to be a connection there. You and I both know ninety three percent of people don't leave a job; they leave a boss. Yeah. So the individual has got to make that connection with the person that's interviewing them because they're mm-hmm. going to be okay. managing them for you know thirty seven and a half forty hours a week. Yeah, yeah. So there's got to be that connection there with them as well. But they've also got to be the right skills fit and the right experience fit for the business as well. And what a lot of my clients are worried about at the moment and genuinely concerned about is if I'm interviewing somebody of colour, I'm interviewing a middle-aged white bloke, I'm interviewing somebody with a disability and I give the job to the middle-aged white bloke, how do I prove to the other people if they do come back to me? Right, okay. So this is this is a kind of a data-driven decision-making thing which kind of acts within compliance as well then, I suppose, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So a lot of what I also train is compliant interviewing, compliant advertising as well. I mean, you've probably seen it. I've seen loads of job adverts. You must have five years' experience. Well, you yeah. can't put that on an advert. It's age discrimination. But we still see it, and we're still seeing it. And even why, why do you think that is? What? What? Why? Why? Because the, the I mean, the laws are very easy to access. Yeah, right? it's out there. It's yeah. all, you know, if you go looking for it, it's there. So mm. why? What? Why that level of ignorance within the, the the kind of the hiring space then? Within, um, whether it's an agency or a, a direct hire. Yeah, I think it's a level of. Of ignorance, I just mm. do. I think you know. I've worked. In, I've done in-house recruitment for the last few years, uh, prior to setting up the business, and I had colleagues who were in-house recruiters within a massive global organisation, who were still adding in. You must have five years' experience. Mm, then okay. it, it's kind of like, oh, you really shouldn't be doing that. And when I so is it that you shouldn't mm, be doing that, or is it you can't do that? You can't we, do it. You can't do it. Against so, the Equality Act. At all, is there is there no caveats like you know if I'm if I'm looking for a level of seniority or if I'm looking for a level of competency. So I'm I'm looking for a I don't know a HGV mechanic. Um, I need this person to have at least three years on the tools experience. I can't say that. No, you can't. Right. If if it's a postgraduate medical type role, mm-hmm. then there are certain caveats where you can add that in. Right. But if you're putting it in, say, an admin post, we want somebody who's got three years admin experience. Obviously, if the individual is 18, they're no, not old no, enough yeah, to have no. gained three years admin experience. And it's it's under one of the um, protected rights within, within the Equality Act 2010. So, yeah, it's... Interesting. Okay. So... How do you get round? So how do you get round that? That's that's where yeah. my mind goes first, right? Yeah, that's, it is. that's really bad. Like, how, it do, is. how do I get round that? I really want to hire somebody but, who's older. Yeah, but yeah, but like, of course. I suppose the, the question: Could you? Could you? Are you allowed to phrase things in such a way where you like, you know, must have um, evidence of completing? I don't know, a hundred um, particular bits of project. You know, you could put must have substantial experience of. Or must have a high level of experience of. You're you well within your rights to do you that. Can't, like put a number on. Can't it. put a number oh. on it. Right, that's interesting. So what else can't you do then? That that that's so intriguing. There's there's certain words that you're not allowed to use in adverts as well. So such as 
And this is quite an old-fashioned phrase, but if you're recruiting somebody for a shop floor for kind of quite intricate work yeah. that they're going to be doing, whether that's within wiring or something along those yeah. lines, can't use the phrase nimble-fingered because it generally relates to females. So you, you're not allowed to use it because right. women have smaller hands than men. Yeah, see, my, my mind went straight to when you went nimble fingered, and I, what what you described is just a small handed man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little baby handed man. Yeah, like, yeah just know. a big man with yeah. really small well, hands. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> they do exist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. So you can't. Yeah. So there's crikey. Okay. Yeah. So there's lots of things that you have to be really careful around. The, the, there are questions around whether you can use the word confident because confident is sometimes. Um, associated with younger people rather than older people. So it's sometimes a, a, um, a word that you have to be a bit careful around. And then there's, there's your obvious things like if it's senior, it must have a, a capitalised S at the front of it just to ensure that the role's senior, not the individual's not the individual, senior. Yeah. So there yeah. are lots of ins and outs It's funny it. you say that. I saw a post literally last night of somebody, um, they're in the tech space, high-level CTO and stuff, um, and he had said, interesting call I've just had from a recruitment agent for a role that I applied for, uh, who told me that the client is looking for somebody younger. And he was like, what do I do with this? Mm. And like, yeah, I just sort of, I mean, my initial reaction was just dye your hair and try again, right? Like, <laughs> apply again. But like, how, how much do you think then kind of, because we've both been in the recruitment world. Yeah. We both know that there are clients that will sit down with us and go, right. I want to take the gloves off. Yeah. Forget the PC for a yeah. minute. Let me tell you what I want. Yeah. Right. Is that them passing the book or is that them trying to be honest about what they're looking yeah, for? Yeah, I think, and it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, I always sit down with my clients, you know, whether I'm in-house or I'm, I'm 360, tell me what it is you really want. Forget the fact that we're HR, we're PC, we have yeah. to be all of these things. Tell me realistically what it is you're looking for. I will go out and do my damnedest to find it. But if I find somebody who's in their 50s and you want somebody younger, but they tick all of the boxes for you, I am going to put their CV forward. Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, they're just as relevant for the role as somebody who's in their 20s or 30s, which ideally you're looking for. And I think as recruiters, we've got to use our common sense and also bear in mind, you know, that we are doing the right thing, but what our client is looking for, but ensuring that we're not discriminating in the in the recruitment process ourselves. Do, doing the right thing is so nuanced in itself, though, right? Because I, I, and like, I immediately think of a situation that I was in where, I was asked by a, it was an MD of a manufacturing business and he basically was like, yep, 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 that's fine, that's fine. Find me my finance manager, no problem at all. So I went through some CVs and went, look, I've got this person, this person, this person. And he discounted three of them straight away because he went, my shop floor is full of Dave's and Terry's and John's. Yeah. A Yana isn't going to cut the mustard. Yeah. A Mohammed absolutely ain't going to cut the mustard. And I don't even know how to pronounce that name. And I was kind of like, right. So I could sit here now and be like, no, no, no. You must hire based on competency alone mm. and hire the right person for the job and all the rest of it. But when you talk about doing the right thing, I'm not doing the right thing for Mohammed or for Yana by including them in that recruitment process either, am I? Because two things will happen. Either they'll be interviewed because they've got a tick box to say, well, you know, they were competent enough. I had to interview them. Or if they are to offer them the job, I'm sending them into an environment where the MDs already acknowledge that the Terry's and the Johns and the, you know, all the rest, they're not going to listen to her and they're not, they're, they're not going to take her, you know, seriously. Mm. So am I do, I'm not doing the right thing by the candidate either, right? So that's a tough position to be put in. It is. And it's a difficult situation to put your candidates in because I'm sure you're very much a recruiter like me. You build those relationships with the candidates. Yeah, you care well enough about the them. To, yeah, yeah you, you care about the people you're placing, you care about where they're placing them as well. And it is a difficult situation to be in. And I 100% get where you're coming from. In my mind, though, if I felt that they were the right person for the role, they ticked all the boxes, they got all the relevant experience that mm -hmm. the company was looking for, 
I would encourage the business to meet with them. Ultimately, what they decide is if they want to meet with Claire and Bob, then yeah. that's down to them. They yeah, meet with yeah. Claire and Bob. But I feel as a recruiter, it's only fair that I am putting the relevant people with the relevant skills and experience forward for the roles that mm. I'm, I'm hiring for. But it's also the recruiter's responsibility to put them in a business where... You know, you, you like you wouldn't you you wouldn't send somebody into a burning building. No, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? And we we you know, uh, at a point of competency, we're taught to do a level of due diligence on the clients that we're working with. Mm. You know, have a look at things like turnover and of staff and churn and mm. kind of glass door reviews and stuff like that, and mm. then make a call as to whether you want to work with the client or not. Yeah. In exactly that kind of mentality, then it's a bit difficult to sort of be like the right thing to do is to put you know this candidate into this um, shortlist mm. um, because they competently can do the job. But I also know that that company are a either not going to hire them, mm. or if they do hire them, that that candidate's going to have a pretty tough time just delivering what they're being asked to to go in and deliver because of the overall kind of culture in the business. Yeah. Right? So how do you how do you kind of challenge that? think it's challenging a company's culture isn't it yeah. and it, it's challenging you know as an organization you know I'm, I'm working been doing some work with a client recently and they're a very white company mm -hmm. <laughs> and have brought this to their attention um I've, I've done recruitment for them previously and yeah. it, it's always been that way with them and I have brought this to their attention and Thankfully, their HR manager said to me, we are aware of it and it is something that we're working on because yeah. we are aware that that is kind of what, what's seen within the organisation. I just think it's making We see it a lot with like law firms and accountancy practices, oh, right? In yes. terms of you go on the directors and you're like, bloody hell, proper old boys club this, isn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> they've all got the same kind of receding hairline mm. and the pinstripe and that kind of thing. But... It's interesting because in contrast to that, because I, I, I will fight the other corner of this because I know there'll be people listening going, yeah, but it's now kind of going the other way. Where, uh, and I won't name the names of the companies, but we have recruited um, sort of in the last year and a half for big FTSE listed businesses who have actively told us, if you have somebody that sits in that diversity, equity and inclusion box, send them. Yeah, We want to interview and we are likely to hire them. Yeah. Uh, and more, most recently, we had a situation where we had two very competent people for a, a complex job a, in Treasury, and they chose the Chinese national, despite the fact that we said he has a, another process going on with Bank of America, mm. and it's double the salary of what you're offering. You know, this is a risky hire. Yeah. You need to go with the Bob or the Claire. Yeah. Um, they chose to go with the, the Chinese national, who then subsequently left in eight weeks. And it's sort of like, right, so you were, you're happy to make that decision mm. knowing the information that we've given you to tick that box of diversity, inclusion, and, and, and uh, you know, equality and inclusion. Mm. Um, and that must be frustrating because, again, if you are a very competent, you know, straight white man, you're going to sit there and be like, what the hell is going on in the world? Like, you know, what's the point in me applying? Much like uh, Nitin Sharma... 15 years ago would apply for a job and not get a call back because my name is Nitin Sharma and yeah. there's other people, right? Yeah. So I get the frustrations that are probably bubbling in, in, in kind of that space at the minute. So yeah. how are you working with then HR teams and HR managers and uh, managing directors of businesses to kind of get that balance right? Because there are examples of people going just completely the opposite way. There are, and it makes me laugh. My uh, my partner's uh, a delivery manager within IT. Uh, he, he, I won't say who he works for, um, but um, he's a middle-aged white bloke. Mm -hmm. And he said, we've had this conversation yeah. previously. And he said, if I ever want a new job, I'm knackered. I'm never yeah. going to find one because I'm a middle-aged white bloke. Who's going to hire me? So, yeah, we've had these conversations at home. And, and yeah, it does... Sometimes you think, is it going too far the other way? Yeah, the um, pendulum swings kind of... Yeah it, yeah, it does. And I think it does put companies in a difficult situation, you know. We've got boxes to check. We've got to ensure that we're recruiting people um, from all walks of yeah. life. But we've also got to find the right people that fit our culture and our organisation. brings it back to the main point, though, right? So you need an interview structure... 
mm. that allows you to pick the right person or the best person out of that shortlist for the job yeah. based on some sort of metric or scoring system or whatever yeah. where actually we leveled the playing field and we asked everybody the same thing. Yeah. Not talk me through your CV, talk me through your yeah. CV, you haven't got enough experience, you've worked for competitors. It's a, okay, give me examples of when you've had to do this, 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 yeah. this. Because these things are important in our business. Yeah. And then I've scored your kind of your competency based on those things. And that's why Bob at 45, you know, married with three kids, has got the job yeah. over Mohammed, you know, and that's or, the, or whoever. Right. And that's the beauty of competency-based interviewing. It gives you a, a structure. You see, I did that. Boy, right back again. It was beautiful, it's that, that yeah, was. I really like that. Yeah. Good work. Tip that off, right? <laughs> that, mate. Yeah. But it gives you a real structure in what your interview process is. And, and part of the work that I've just done with one of my clients, I've spent the last three months. I mean, these are a great company. They gave me... Oh my goodness, the most amazing job descriptions that were incredibly detailed, very competency focused on the person spec. They've got around 18 competencies as a business that their um, job descriptions are based upon across the board. And this is from entry level right, right up to okay. CEO. I was say, yeah. and 18 competency yeah, questions not in for one everybody. interview. <laughs> <laughs> Six days process yeah. <laughs> plus a presentation. Come and yeah. make yourself at home. You're going to be here a week for this yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I then spent, I've spent a lot of time in the last few months is creating 200 competency-based questions, all in this beautiful, all singing, all dancing Excel spreadsheet, which literally has a drop-down box. So tell me what level oh. you're recruiting in. That's a HR's wet dream, isn't it? It is. They love it. They absolutely love it. I've delivered some of the training to them yesterday, and the HR manager was in there, and she was like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. Whereas if you'd have looked at anybody else, they'd have been like, this is so boring. Can't I just ask them to talk me through their CV? <laughs> But then it gives you, you know, the drop down box, it gives you the questions and then the final tab is a scoring sheet mm. and you score the individual using the good old star technique. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, but it has to be used when you're doing competence based interviewing to ensure that the person, you know, the person that you're interviewing is the most competent for the job. And also something else I always stress to my clients, and we had a good conversation around this yesterday. You must ask all the people the same questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I've created questions around the core competencies for the jobs, but I've also created them around the core values of the business. So my suggestion to them was, yeah, don't ask them 18 competence-based questions. <laughs> Maybe ask them two or three around the role right, and then yeah, one yeah. around your core yeah, values yeah, of yeah. the business. And the question came up yesterday, funnily enough, but what if I just know they're not the right person for the job after question one? And me and the HR manager both looked at each other and she said, just ask them all the questions because then we know... We've we've done our due diligence. We've ticked the boxes, even though we know potentially they're not going to be the right fit for the business. But we've done what we need to do. Does that not feel like just checking the back door anyway? It does to a certain degree, but I think it it covers their own ass basically. It mm. ensures that if that person does come back in the future for any reason to argue the fact that they haven't been given the job, yeah. they've got You ask me one bang. question and then we'll thank you for yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> All yeah. the best. Thanks yeah. for popping in. Yeah. yeah. But then the client have got the evidence there and obviously they've got it saved for two years electronically for GDPR purposes, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. a lot of businesses still don't realise they have to do. Um, and, and, and they've got it, you know, they've got it as backup should something happen. Because you and I both know there are people out there that will go to interviews, don't get the job, and then they will put a complaint challenge, in. Straight They'll challenge yeah, it. Absolutely. And there are absolutely. people out there that are making hundreds of thousands of pounds a year out of doing Combo that. Combo claims, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they need to come to me, I'll write them a CV, they can go and find a proper job. <laughs> yeah, 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 serial complainer. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, do you know, it's funny, right? I think a lot of this comes down to, um, like, just ignorance. Yes. And and take, so so I, I'm of the, the, the kind of the, the mindset and the school of thought of, 
we are we're now coming out of the kind of the decade but we have been in the decade of the entrepreneur right yes people have been um kind of working for big corporates where these structures controls and uh, processes are in place mm. realize that they're good at something and decided to go and do it for themselves yeah that's gone well enough that they've then gone from a lifestyle one two person thing to a four five ten eight you know like 18 25 person business yeah but fundamentally there's still that you know it person marketing person or salesperson that they used to be yes um who's now in charge of all these things right yes. and there becomes that kind of question of like at what point am i big enough to actually hire a hr person and blah 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 and i think that level of ignorance and that boom in that sme world mm. is probably what's driven a lot of this of of yeah, kind of malpractice and bad practice yeah. because yeah i mean I, i've worked in recruitment over 10 years and i didn't realize that you, you you're just not allowed to ask for five years experience you mm. can ask for an experienced person with you know whatever but substantial, I, substantial experience, experience yeah. or examples or whatever yeah but i can't put a number on it right yeah. um and i worked at michael page yeah <laughs> did you know uh, but it, we spoke about this off camera in that as recruiters we're not taught how to interview no we're not go and find the best person for this job yeah. you look at the job spec and you go against the cv and you match and batch and all the rest of mm. it and then you're like i've got the perfect candidate but you know you haven't interviewed them and then we coach them on the star method. Yeah. You know, oh, interview prep that candidate. Just get you through it. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just give them the situation, tax, task, action, result. And yeah, guaranteed the job, lovely. Don't worry about it. You know, going through the job spec and going, here's the things they're asking for. So the competency question is going to be around that. You're good. You're good yeah. to go. Like we didn't get that training either. No, we right? didn't. And then you go off and you set up your own business and blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, you're sat there going, shit, man, I've been doing things pretty uncompliantly. Because mm. I've interviewed people and have that, Within ten minutes, been like, this guy ain't the one, man, or yeah. this this person just isn't isn't getting it. And I think as a recruiter, the thing that's made you and I successful and why we've done it for a very long time is that gut instinct. Because mm -hmm. when you you talk to the right person, you know yeah. you found the yeah, right. You start person. getting that. Oh, yeah, you I get it. Get your CV over now. I've got to yeah. get you over, and you're on the phone to the client. Oh yeah. my god, stop I've looking! I've yeah. found them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And generally, ninety five percent of the time, you're right. That's it. You that's are it. right, and yeah, you yeah, land yeah. and you land the placement, etc. Talking about interviewing, I remember I started my career with Office Angels in 2005. And <laughs> <laughs> clearly I was 10 when I started. <laughs> um, and the first person I interviewed was what I, I used to refer to as a basket and a bun PA. Right. You know, a proper yeah. traditional. Yeah. Fashion. RSA in bookkeeping yeah. and typewriting. PA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was petrified. <laughs> I felt I actually felt physically sick interviewing this woman. So I was like, she's gonna know that I don't know what I'm yeah, doing. Imposter you know? syndrome. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah, gonna yeah. she's gonna suss me immediately. <laughs> and you know, and it was after that that I was like, right, I need I need to know what I'm talking about. And yeah. that's when I started to learn about competency-based interviewing. And it's something that, as a recruiter, I've sat down with my clients over the, t over the years and said, right, talk to me about your recruitment process. How are you doing it? What questions are you going to ask? And a lot of them will say, I'm not telling you because you'll tell the candidate. No, I won't. I want to ensure that you're interviewing thoroughly enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I might do. I yeah. The ones I like. The ones I've got a good gut feeling about. Yeah, yeah the yeah. ones that give me a bit of a buzz. Yeah. Um, but it's about, you know, ensuring that the companies are doing the in-depth interviewing to ensure mm. that they are finding the right person for the job. Yes, ticking the boxes, but also ensuring that the candidate that they're hiring is going to be the right person for them long term. Because the average hire nowadays is, it costs about four grand. You yeah. know, with the, yeah, with no, the fees, with the with training the and everything training, else, the with the onboarding. The yeah. yeah, I think yeah, it's it's a funny one because the more you kind of explain it in 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 the way you are. Um, it makes it kind of feeds into the the sort of psychology of sales, right? In the the whole concept behind it is not just the, the usual shit of people buy from people and the rest of it, but like people buy based on an emotion. Yeah. But then they justify that emotion with the facts, right? Yeah. I'll go and I'll buy that particular phone because I want that phone. Mm. The emotion in me is like that's the one you want. Yeah. And then I'll justify it by going, but it's got this, it's got this, it's got this, it's got this. Yeah. And it's almost the same thing, isn't it? It's like, <clears throat> by doing an effective competency-based interview process, 
You can still buy based on that gut feeling. Yeah. But you've just got those competency-based questions then to f- refer back to as factually why you did that. Yeah. Because, you know, there are times where, you know, you've got like um, two very, very capable candidates, but you just happen to like one more than the other. Yeah. You know, your kids go to the same school, you've seen them or whatever what it might be. But then the justification is allowed by that that kind of competency scoring yeah, metric, I suppose. Yeah, the framework. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think my clients that I'm working with, that I'm incorporating this into their businesses, have just found it to be massively beneficial. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's what it's giving their hiring managers, because I... I I run a three-hour workshop around the interviewing, around the competence-based interviewing. I teach them how to create them. I teach them what needs to be mm-hmm, involved. Mm-hmm. We talk about good questions to ask, how to structure the interview. We talk about everything yeah. that you can possibly think about. And what all the hiring managers that I'm delivering this training to are saying, it's it's just great to have a structure because as you and I have never been trained to interview, a yeah, lot of they, hiring yeah, managers really haven't. You know, yeah. they've never had official interview training. They're just generally told, speaking, they're just, just very good at what they do, and they've got promoted and promoted and promoted. Yeah. And then they're like, kind of, and then you just do what, like, you know, you, you refer back to the interviews that you've been on, yeah. and, and you just copy what the last person that you remember interviewed you did. Yeah. Because that's the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah. You don't know otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah, it's nuts. hiring yeah. managers not knowing the certain questions they're not allowed to ask. I delivered some training before Christmas and one of the hiring managers went, I really can't ask them how old they are. And I'm like, oh my God, no, no, you really can't. I'm not lying. I'm not making it up. You is it really a case can't. that you can't ask how old they are? Or is it a case that you can't use their age as a reason not to give them the job? <clears throat> you can't ask how old they are. That's why people no longer have to put their dates of birth on CVs yeah. and you don't have to put dates of education or anything on their CVs. But mm-hmm. no, it would definitely be crossing a line by asking somebody how old they were, particularly if you ask them how old they are and then you don't give them the job. Yeah. They can turn around and go, well, you didn't give it me because I'm too young, I'm too it's old, old yeah. I'm too middle-aged, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, because you always have that kind of, yeah... Yeah, because my, my my wife is in in primary teaching. She's an assistant head, and she she was talking recently about kind of like you know the staffing issues that they're having and that kind of thing. And mm. she was like, "Well, you know, this is what was always going to happen when you hire women of a certain age. They're going to go on maternity leave." And I was like, "You can't say that or have <laughs> that opinion because you know, well, not to mention the fact that birth rates are down and all the rest of it. Yeah. But it was just sort of like you can't not give people a job because like, have you had your kids yet? You have, right? And are there any <laughs> and are there any older right, relatives and stuff? So, oh no, great! Parent, both parents are dead. Brilliant. So yeah, no need to look after anybody that. Yeah, brilliant. I'm gonna get ten years out of you. Yeah. Like you just, you know, you can't do that. No, you right? can't. Definitely not. What else can't you do? Because I bet there's there's stuff in there that oh, like, people haven't even thought about. You're testing me now. Yeah. Um, There'll be things that you just don't think about that I'm gonna be like, what? I can't yeah. Ask that. yeah. Obviously, you can't ask what they're marital status is you know if they intend on getting married yeah you can look at that hand yeah you can i mean it's funny when i was i mean i'm I'm coming up 45 god i don't have children um when i was interviewing like around my mid-30s within Mm. recruitment i would always bring it up i haven't got children and i don't intend on having any (laughs) just to kind of because when you're in your mid-30s they're like Mm -hmm. she's going on maternity leave at some point soon so i would be like no i'm not having children um it's shit that you had to feel that way there's a you felt you had to do that i did yeah Yeah. and i did feel that i had to do that but yeah there, there are there are so many restricted areas that you've got to be super super careful about obviously we've got um, sexual orientation mm-hmm. um, we've got more and more people coming out nowadays and saying that um, they want to go through different changes yeah, and yeah, things yeah, yeah. so we've got to be very mindful about those things as well when we're interviewing candidates but I mean the, the key ones are age marital status You've got to be super careful at the moment with obviously the changes that are coming into force with flexible working and it going to day one rights rather than week 26 rights. People have got to be careful around the fact of asking 
are your parents still alive? <laughs> you know. So how do you deal with that though? Because mm. you you know that that sounds very much in the employee favour, right? But without knowing too much about the the kind of the legislation change. Yeah. So flexible work, and I can start with you day one, and then be like, ha ha, tricks you. Yeah, you, you know can. What I mean? But you can only put in a request as long as a, an employer considers it. They don't have to give it you. No, okay. They've just got to consider it. And you can now put in, well, not now, but from the beginning of April, you can put in two requests in a 12-month period rather than just the just one. Just the one, yeah. Um, I'm not a specialist in it, but no, I know, no, I know no, a fabulous lady who is. If anybody does need any guidance on it, she's she's a HR consultant. She specialises in okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, it's um. You know, obviously the world of work has changed considerably since yeah. COVID. You know, people have realised that. Work isn't everything and people want to go out and they want to pursue other avenues, mm -hmm. whether that be starting their own business or sporting activities. You know, I do triathlon in my spare time for, for my sins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but That just sounds dreadful. Yeah, <laughs> That's three really crap things. Yeah, well, why be rubbish at one sport when you can be rubbish at three, eh? That's what I always say. That's, that just, just sounds dreadful. But, you know... It, it's my passion it's yeah. something I love pursuing and it was it wasn't one of the reasons I set up my own business but the fact that I've got flexibility in mm. my working hours far more now than when I was employed by somebody else is in the summer if I have got a quiet Wednesday afternoon I want to go out on the bike for three hours I can go out on the bike for yeah. three hours yeah you know and and part of the you know, how things have changed with people wanting more flexibility in their work. It used to be it was for caring. So it was either caring for children or caring yeah. for elderly relatives. But now it is more for lots of different reasons. Well, self-care. It's still care. Yeah, self-care. Your well-being, your well-being. Yeah, it's, I, I think we're... So I talked about the, you know, the, the decade of the entrepreneur. And I, I firmly believe we're coming out of that now. Mm. And I think we're heading into the decade of the freelancer where there's going to be people who have, um, you know, amassed a certain set of skills and they're going to kind of realize that I could do this for myself three days a week mm. with one, two, maybe three clients, mm. you know, because that's all they can afford or want to pay for or whatever mm. and give me back my time. Yeah. You know, I say this to my business partner all the time, like before we shut mm. down the, the recruiting business and I was like, I just want to be able to, I, I, I fancy you know, going for a walk yeah. and being able to do it without yeah. having to be like, I've got to get here, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, yeah. you know. I've got to have my phone with me in case a yeah. client rings or a candidate rings. Exactly, yeah. right? And, and just just not even like, it's it's more of like a, I want to feel like I'm living, not doing a to-do list. Yeah. And that to-do list isn't even something I want to do, it's just something I'm doing yeah. because I have to, right? And there's so many people in that in that mindset at the minute. And we're like, we're, we're going through kind of, um, so I'm hiring for rec tools and we're, we're, we're speaking to people and we're getting them on board and that kind of thing. And we were kind of like thinking culture and value, mission, all that sort of stuff that you, you've got to think about when you're yeah. building something from ground up. And I was like, no, four day work week. Absolutely. That's because brilliant. I know what I'm like. Yeah. And if I have something that I need to, to need to sort out, I'll mm. sort it out. Mm. Equally, if there's something that can wait till tomorrow, it's fucking wait until tomorrow. <laughs> you joke? Like, because yeah. we were sort of, we, we sat down and we're like, you know, what's the why? And, and I was like, my why isn't I want to build and grow and scale this global empire. Yeah. My why is my kids and my yeah. wife. Yeah. And my why is I get to do all the things that my dad didn't get to do with me, as in walk me to school, yeah. pick me up from school, go to every parents' evening. Yeah. That's my why. And I'm just like, so the business or the work that I do needs to feed into my why, mm -hmm. not my why fit around what I'm doing yeah. for work. And I think, and I know I'm not alone in that mindset. You're not, There's a lot of people not. in that world right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to really change. And, and as a result of that, I think the the rules and the regulations around things that you can and can't do and the, the flexibilities that you have to offer your employees. I don't think it's a case that they'll change um, because, you know, they'll be mandated to. I think businesses are going to have to because yeah. they risk losing really good people otherwise. They do. And I think, you know, there are more and more businesses nowadays after COVID, everybody worked from home. They're now forcing people to come back into the office more and more. You and I both know there's still a sh uh, talent shortage in the yeah. UK. Okay, it's not as bad as it was 12, 18 months ago, but it's still bad. Yeah. 
And all that's going to happen to these businesses, they're going to lose their top talent yeah. because their top talent will go to Joe Bloggs down the road who'll let them work three days a week from yeah. home and two days a week in the office. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody at the minute that. to come on as my business development manager um, for, for Rec Tools. Really, guy, really, really nice guy. Um, knows his stuff, knows his market. <laughs> and the very first question I asked him was like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? Forget, mm. forget I'm looking for this and I need you to do this and that and the other. What do you want? And he was like, I want to spend more time with my granddaughter. I want to help my daughter out. You know, I want to get back on the property ladder and I want to, I think I want to take up cycling or something. And I was like, okay, so how does that then fit into work? And he was like, well, you know, I don't really want to be traveling to an office unless I have to. Yeah. I like doing business face to face. But I'd like the flexibility of being able to drop the granddaughter to school because my wife, because uh, my daughter works like shifts and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, cool. All of that works. I'm thinking four day work week, this kind of package, this kind of thing, and complete flexibility. Work from wherever you want. Yeah. Because in the summer, when your granddaughter's on, you know, um, sort of school holidays, your daughter's going to still be working. Yeah. So you can have your granddaughter then. Yeah. Like you know, you can take her away for the six weeks because you've got family kind of all over the UK. Mm. As long as you, you need a mobile phone and a laptop. Yeah. That's it. Right? And, you'll and an internet get, connection. And you'll get far more out of that individual because he will be so grateful for the opportunity to have that flexibility in his working life that he will give you everything. That's it. Yeah. Could the appreciation will. piece, right? Yeah, like definitely. If we think back to when we were office bound, <laughs> right? How much time did we actually spend working? Do you know what? I think back to my early days at Office Angels, and this is no slight on Office Angels as a business because I was obsessed with my temps desk. It was my life. Yeah. I worked 80 hours some weeks because you just did. Right, Because fair. that's what recruitment was then, you know, and I've, I've gone for interviews in the past and they've gone, yeah, we expect you in at eight. You're probably not going to leave till about half, six, seven. Then we all go for drinks or dinner together. Mm. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I'd spend more time with you lot than I do with yeah. my own have family. Have a life, friends, yeah. family I want to see. I don't yeah. want to go for dinner with you. I want to go on my bike, you know, yeah. Yeah. but recruitment can still be like that and mm. i think that's probably a lot of the reason why um you do still see so many vacancies for recruiters i'm really honest with myself and i, we, I had this conversation with uh, my old business partner as well i was just like let's be completely frank how much work do we have? how much shit chat do we do in the office <laughs> right? I, i'm a smoker how much time do i spend outside it's important. Smoking? you know what I colleagues my car are insurance having for dinner uh, I, yeah yeah do you know what i mean like they need to know that <laughs> phil mitchell is dying like you know <laughs> who shot him like or like and like i remember i used to work in in banking and it was a, a chap called derek derek frierson like real old boy financial planner yeah and he was like Nitin, i'm gonna give you the best advice you've ever had and i go on and he was like get a pen get a paper i was like All right, okay so i'm like ready to write things down he's like now get up tap that pen on that paper put it on your chin and then walk nobody's going to disturb you <laughs> nobody <laughs> And I was like, you what? And he was like, that's what I do. He goes, when, I, when I've had enough and I want to kill an hour or so, just get my pen and paper and I'm like, and I'll go. And there'll be Derek and I'm like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing something. And no one bothers. <laughs> that's and I was like, brilliant. that's fucking genius. That's, that's absolutely genius. Because he was like, we don't, I'm not going to be sat chained to my desk putting financial planning papers together and, and like bonds and stuff together all the time. I need some me time. Yeah. And it's like, you can't get me time in this place. Yeah. So I just walk around the place tapping a, tapping a bit of paper. <laughs> that's great the working world has changed so much hasn't it just in just in the years i've been in recruitment you know i was laughing about it with somebody the other day an old candidate actually i'm doing his cv for him and uh he recited my old fax number to me because he remembers faxing his timesheet to me i was like oh my goodness that's unbelievable and there'll be certain people listening to this now that won't even know what a fax machine yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> which like is quite frightening. Email. Yeah. yeah, which is quite frightening. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's um, I, I just think that the flexibility that people want now, and if businesses can offer, do you, do you know it, what? I think it's not even the want; it's the flexibility that people deserve. Yeah. Like we like the, us working class people have made other people a lot of fucking money. Yeah. A lot of money, right? I've it's only fair it. that they I've... give back a little yeah. bit to, you know, like when I've got like employees and they're asking for time off, and so of course you can have time off. Like yeah. You don't have to ask. I used to have people be like, oh, I've got a dentist appointment. Like, just 
don't don't even tell me. Mm. Just go. Like just book it and go. When you think you about know? it, I've built millions for recruitment right? companies over the years that I've worked with them, and I've been very lucky. I've had some incredible managers that I've worked for. I've worked for some really really brilliant, predominantly women that I've worked for because I've done a Can't lot. Can't say that. I've done a lot of commercial <laughs> recruitment though, knitting. So they are generally women that I've worked for. But, you know, I've had some great bosses that have mm. always offered me flexibility. But the flexibility that we're seeing now was never in place when I no. was a, a 360 recruiter. I haven't been in 360 recruitment, uh, working for somebody else for, for a few years now. But the, there just wasn't that flexibility when, when I was but even But even in recent memory, like to, uh, we, we set up the, the recruitment mm. business in 2017. So it would have been somewhere between 2015 and 2016. I remember explicitly me and Sean would have meetings in in and around warwick i remember it would be we'd go to Wolseley, then we'd go from Wolseley to volvo financial services yeah. and then from volvo we'd go to warwick castle then from warwick castle we'd go right we've got time let's squeeze over to nfu yeah we'd be eating sandwiches in our car yeah like at petrol station sandwiches and shit just like let's just go and we'd come back with vacancies and stuff like that yeah. and we would like have to print out cvs <clears> and assume <throat> like our best kind of portfolio right because our whole thing was, we'd sit down with the client, the client would go, yeah, I'm looking for a finance analyst and need to have this sort of background. And we'd go, do you know who you need? Yeah. You need Claire. Have a look yeah. at this like, CV. And we'd go through. And we sat down with the, the MD at the time of our region and went, can't we have a laptop? Just give us a laptop. Yeah. Right? Everywhere we go has got Wi-Fi. We're in the car literally the entire day. We're coming back with seven, eight, nine vacancies at a time, temp and perm. Yeah. We're billing 40, 50 grand a month a month the, between the pair of us, mm. give us a laptop. I can turn these jobs around. And yeah. I, rather than just showing CVs and then, oh, let me ring the client and let me ring the candidate and blah, blah, blah. I can secure interviews there and then sat there in front of my client because yeah. I've got control over this process <clears> and stuff. <throat> no, because then you'll have access to the data. Like, fuck your data. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, that's your concern. Yeah, I'm going to run off yeah. with your data. And I, I remember we were stuck in traffic once because we had to go, they moved us to Birmingham. And we had meetings in Warwick again. And they wanted us to come to the office first because the meeting was at 10 o'clock in Warwick. And they're like, so what are you going to do for the first hour? And we're like, well, if we had a laptop, yeah. we'd be able to go to a coffee shop <laughs> or a business lounge somewhere and just work. Yeah. You know, you took the, the Coventry office away from us. Yeah. We had to go to Birmingham <clears throat> to show our face. To show, we're here. We've got to go now because now we've got to travel to Warwick. To go to yeah. Warwick. That's ridiculous. And, and, we, and we were stuck in traffic that day and we both looked at each other and went, we've, I, I, I remember saying to him, I was like, I've made this company like half a million quid last year. I ain't doing it anymore. Where's the like, trust? I'm not, and she's, she's talking to me about, but you're going to steal the data. Yeah. Like, I'm going to steal the data now. I'm going to go and set up on my own. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, See, yeah. yeah, the data is all up here. I'm going. Yeah. Like, you know, this is ridiculous. You don't need to steal a database from a company if you know your clients. No, well you are the database. Yeah, you are That's the it. database. Yeah. But yeah, so it's not even a case of like years ago things were like that. It, they've been like that even up until recent memory. Yeah. Like, COVID, um, a, a good friend of mine um, summed it up perfectly. COVID pushed us to go digital. Yeah. It oh, it pushed did. Pushed people who weren't yeah. even ready. Well, you're going to have to accept it. Yeah. You want your business to carry on. You can have to let them work yeah. from home. I think as you know, COVID was awful and I can't believe it was four years ago. Yeah. It just blows yeah, yeah. my mind when you think Scary, about it. it. But some good has come out of yeah. it because it's done it's done employment the world of good because it's offering yeah. people a mental lot of health awareness. Mental massive, health awareness has yeah. gone through the roof. You know, client that I delivered training to last year, they they had a, a certain training budget and they spent a big chunk of it on mental health awareness training. I'd rather they spent it with me, but I'm really pleased yeah. that they if spent it's gonna it go on anywhere. that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. much rather it go there <laughs> because they're they're really hot on it. You know, they're, yeah. they're really aware that they need to look after their staff and. Mm -hmm. People, people's mental health is important. It's part of the reason I do the triathlon stuff that I do. You know, it keeps me on the straight and narrow. Yeah, you know, no, just being yeah, yeah. out in nature, doing my open water swimming, being out on the bike, you know, 
I went for I just thought you were glutton for punishment. No, no, I do actually enjoy it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of running, I'll be honest, but I love the swim and I love the bike. No, so, fair. yeah, so we're, we're switching to aqua bike this year, so I don't have to do the run. We just swim. I don't know what that is. And in my we head, just it's, swim and it's then we bike. cycle. Oh, right, okay. It's a in bike your, on the water as well. Yes, yeah, lots <laughs> of people think that. I'm like, I'm in the water on a bike. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm going to well, no, swim. Well, no, like the little paddle ones, you know, the little duck, <laughs> like the things in Leamington. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. That's what I thought. No, no, I'm going to do Just some a competitive swimming. version of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to go and get on a bike. Fair yeah. enough, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it's, it supports my mental health, you yeah. know, and, and it's important, isn't it, at the end of the day? Because we all have our struggles and, you know, we all need something that helps us. You know, you with your walking and stuff like that, you know, we all need some a bit of escapism, don't yeah. we? A healthy escapism, yeah, yeah, not yeah. just going down the pub kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, do that as well. <laughs> No, this this has been really cool. This has been really, really insightful. Um, so, if there's people listening, um, the kind of in that B two B vendor world that spend a lot of time talking to me, and they need to pick your brains, get you in to to kind of look at their interviewing process and stuff. How do people reach out to you? So they can go on my website, which is ask. Tell the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind is... like. <laughs> website is www.askverity.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram as well as Ask Verity um, or feel free to email me at verity.crichton, which you'll never spell, C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N <laughs> at askverity.com. Shall I also talk about my workshops? By, by all means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, plug, plug fantastic. Thank you. Um, I need to ensure I get the dates correct now. So on the evening of the 27th of February from 7pm uh, till 8.30, I'm going to be running a CV masterclass. Now, this enables people to log on, uh, £50 a head, and spend an hour and a half with me talking about everything that needs to be in a CV from personal profile through to key skills, transferable skills, key achievements, the order that the CV needs to be in. We'll also touch on cover letters and we'll also touch on um, job hunting and how's the best way to go about it in, in today's digital age. Um, details for that are on my website. I'm also running on the 6th of March from 9.30 till 11, a free workshop for businesses who are looking to hire now or in the future and want a bit of insight into um, how to structure an interview. I touch on competency-based interviewing so you can get a bit of a basic understanding of it and also further information around uh, how to interview compliantly. Uh, as I said, that's a free workshop that I'm offering and it gives a bit of an introduction into things, but then I can obviously come and do things in more detail for you myself if you need me to. Um, and again, details for that can be found on my website. Thank you very much. That was good. Very good. <laughs> All right. Thank you. This has been really fun. Thank you. Appreciate it's been you, great. Uh, really good, good to meet you. Thank you. Cheers. Right, cut. <laughs> oh, God. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you do.